Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In this podcast, we chat about the win against Peterborough, give our praise and place nominations. We look ahead to Fulham and we chat to Anne from Hull and Back Podcast. And of course, we answer your podcast questions. This is the Board Breakdown Podcast and this is our Bora Mash Day Chatter in a pod. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all of your Borough Match Day chatter in a podcast. And well, this week Borough thumped Peterborough four goals to nil and moving into the playoff places. With six, and now they're on 62 points from 38 games. The 4-0 win was the first time Borough scored four goals away from home since Birmingham um, in 19th of December 2020 under Neil Warnock. Guys... To celebrate Middlesbrough scoring four goals, I want to ask you how you're feeling in four words. Uh, Dana, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to go for four actual words uh, this week. Uh, professional, wise, balanced and dignified. A bit of poetry going on there, oh. I think. Oh, yeah, I tell you what, that's some good words. Good, that. good, good flow to it, that. Yeah, really good words. I mean, do you want to elaborate a little bit more or are you happy to stick with those four? Yeah, I'll elaborate. I think professional because, you know, going into this game, it was a potential banana skin. We did not slip up on an afternoon that a few of our playoff rivals did. Wise, because I think that we implemented a game plan that worked and I think we were just clinical in the moments that we needed to be in the in the second half more so than the first half. I mean, we'll get on to that. Uh, balance, because I thought we had the balance between the left and the right, which is something that we haven't really seen. We've seen maybe snippets of it, teasers of it, but I think we saw it more so uh, yesterday. And then dignified because I thought we were we were just well worth that uh, victory. Oh yeah, very good. An, an elaboration as well. Uh, Tom, how are you feeling in four words? Uh, absolutely bloody brilliant, Johnny. Um, <laughs> you got to love a, a a big win like that, especially away from home. Um, watching the game yesterday after we won, went one the love. I mean, they really weren't great, and I was just I found myself thinking like. How good would it be if we could just like really kind of batter a team and and get quite a few goals, which we we obviously don't see a lot, um, and and we haven't seen a lot in in recent years either. Uh, and then just to go on and do that, 
away from home. That's going to be a hell of a confidence builder and a, a great way to uh, kick off the running. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, I think it's huge to, to get a massive win like that, especially with the amount of fixtures we've got going uh, in, in the next few weeks. And I think I'm going to go with um, a nearly combusted Jeff. Um, I've just never seen... <laughs> Uh, this is the obviously Balogun scoring was great. Uh, Tav scoring as well for you, Dana Corbin. What more? I think it was a really good performance at times, and I think it was a mixture of uh, probably good and bad from from both sides. But yeah, I think overall, really good display, really good performance to put your market down for the remainder of the season, and hopefully we can build on it this week with the games that we got coming up. Um, but let's talk about uh, Saturday's game then and obviously goals from Tav, Balogun, Cor- Corbin and what more were enough for, for Borough to, to claim the three points at the Western Home Stadium. Uh, we did make one change to the side with Borough coming for Neil Taylor. Um, Tom, you said that wing-back role uh, would probably suit Mark Baller to a T if he was fit um, but obviously the last couple of performances he's been struggling slightly um, but was yesterday a bit more like it from him? Yeah, definitely. Uh, going into that game when the team was announced, I just thought, I, I really hope this this international break's been used to to bring him up to speed a little bit more and, uh, you know, he can hit the ground running during that performance. And I think he absolutely did. Um, you know, it, it was such a difference to, to what we've seen from them the last couple of games where he's he, he's not been fully caught up yet. And as as much as Neil Taylor's done an absolutely solid job while while Bowler's been out, we know he doesn't have the same kind of attacking um uh, talents as as Bowler does. Um so seeing that from Bowler, I, th- I think he made the left side just a lot stronger yesterday between him and Tav in particular as well. Yeah, and I think and with that as well, there was a nice little stat from the game as well with when you looked at Middlesbrough's um Percentage of play yesterday, so obviously when you're looking at the thirds of the game, so the left, right, and the, and, and the middle as well, um, Borough are always slightly more, normally much more dominant on that right-hand side with Isaiah Jones. But yesterday, we did see this change ever so slightly. The average positions was baller was pretty much the same same position on the opposite side of the pitch to to, to Jones in terms of advan- uh, advanced play. Um, but then also 42% on the right-hand side and then 37% uh, on the left-hand side. So is this more of the balance that you're like, wanting to see now within this team? Yeah, absolutely. I think the probably the last month or so, maybe the last month or two, uh, we've really kind of been uh, predictable on that right-hand side. Uh, teams have have tried to, to double and triple up on Jones at times and uh, knowing that we're not going to attack as much down the left. I think yesterday uh, did show a lot more balance. Uh, as I said, Bowler and Tav in particular uh, were, were doing extremely well. Some of the the uh, the balls Tav was putting in in, in behind uh, to kind of thread through the defence for Bowler to run on it were fantastic. And I'd, I'd even kind of uh, Luke Balligan into that as well because I think he was, he was doing the same thing on the left-hand side and it really shows... Uh, the advantages of having uh, a left-footed striker in that role. Um, mm-hmm. it, it looks like, uh, obviously, it, it's, it's early days, but if we can kind of recreate the chemistry that, you know, Dykesdale, Crooks and Jones have on the right-hand side with um, uh, Tav, um, Bowler, Balligan, and, and even McNair at times, because he, he, he was kind of re- really getting up there, um, then then that's only going to benefit us for for the running. If we, if we can be a bit more balanced and have a threat on that left-hand side, uh, as, as well as the right, um, which I think we saw a lot of yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's have a look at the overall performance and then dissect the game uh, from from top to bottom. And Dana, 
I just want to ask you the simple question. How would you assess the performance yesterday? Because I'm assuming it'd be quite positive. Yeah, it's, I think we've alluded to it uh, a bit already. It was, it's a strange game or, or a funny game to analyse because I found myself getting caught between two opinions. One, that Borough were good and two, that Peterborough were god-awful. And I think both statements are true. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Um I don't really want to go overboard on praise for Borough because it's easy to look at a final scoreline and think, wow, we were excellent. I don't think we were, uh, but we didn't need to be. We just needed to be good and do the job, and we did that. And we were good in the moments that mattered. First half, I think it was a little bit, there was a tinge of disappointment, a slight stain of disappointment that we didn't add to the lead that we had because we had a few openings, maybe not so much chances, but openings to create more and we just didn't execute them quite well. But second half, I mean, we turned it up, I think, and we we were gifted a, a couple of chances and, and, and we took them and that's really what you need. And yeah, it was um, a Peterborough side that, are the worst team in the division. I think they've shipped the most goals. They've uh, they've scored the fewest. But it was a it was a test. It was a mental test because we've afforded the team the maybe not so much the excuse but the reason of maybe a dip in performances prior to the international break of of mental and physical fatigue. Housen Johnny Housen confirmed as much before the game in the build up to it. Um, so it would have been really disappointing had Borough played yesterday with that tiredness and with that sort of leggy value to to their performance so it's good that we didn't um and that we were we upped the energy I think so that that was a a big plus as well yeah so would you say that was kind of the 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 main difference then throughout the game and that's how we got the better of this Peterborough side it was just more of a case of we looked a bit more refreshed yeah we had that balance on the left hand side but then also we were able to put the chance away when it mattered yeah, 100%. I mean, Matt Crooks, I think, has probably been one of those players that prior to the international break, I know he had a two-game rest, shall we say, when he got that um, that suspension for picking up, what was it, 10 yellow cards. But he was probably one that you look at and think, yeah, he's looking a little bit leggy here. I don't think he did yesterday. He played a big part in that fourth goal. He was harassing the midfield, basically allowed Duncan Watmore to, to sneak in and steal the ball and then accelerate. It was a fantastic finish from, from Watmore for that fourth fourth goal um, and I think that was it really yeah and Peterborough were let's be honest they, they could not keep the ball full of no money their ball retention was incredibly poor they kept giving us the ball in their own third as well so it was one of those where okay yes we might have got uh, sort of gifts little gifts throughout the match from Peterborough but we had to take them and I think we did particularly in the second half. Mm. Just to, well, let's go back to the first half slightly then because Tom when it was 1-0 um, we were creating a lot of lot of chances. Dana alluded to it as well. Um, and all, although we won four 0 yesterday, it probably and probably probably and should have been more than four. Definitely, don't, don't you think? Yeah, uh, there's there's a couple of chances from the first half that come to mind for that. Um, the one where Connolly kind of chased down a, a lost cause from a, a Joe Lumley clearance. Um, won the ball, got around the keeper. At first, I was thinking that might have been a penalty, but looking back on replays, I don't think it was. But then ball falls, uh, Balogun, and cleared off the line. Um, There was another one where Crooks found himself in a shooting position right on the edge of the box. Personally, I think he should have given that to Jones to to put in one of his compartments. Low crosses into into the mixer and hope to get someone on the whip. But I can see why he took the shot there. Uh, a lot of appeals for handball afterwards, but again, I don't think that was too much either. 
Um, but we were creating chances in the first half. I was a bit disappointed to only go in 1-0 up at half-time. Um, but obviously, as Dana said, we really turned on in the second half and, and, and got the goals that uh, that we deserve from that. But really, I think it was it was by half-time we should have been more than... Uh, more than one up for sure. Yeah, well, well, Wilder uh, said that apart from he loves fucking loves Paddy McNair, he did say <laughs> that um, things, things were sloppy in that first half, um, and it could have been one one at half time. Appreciate there was a couple of chances. The obviously the, the slide tackle from Lumley, which nearly you know uh, the ball went over the top, and Paddy had to uh, had to get off the line, but. Um, do you think it's a case of him having really high standards or is it just a case of it actually Borough were sloppy in, in, at times in that first half? I, I think it was the case that we were a little bit sloppy in the in the first half. Um, I don't think it's so much high standards, but you mentioned there the uh, the Lumley slide tackle. Um, I mean, looking back on it, he probably did the right thing in coming out as much as it gave everyone palpitations. Uh, in, in coming out to do that slide tackle, uh, bad slide tackle because it just went straight one of their players. But that that whole situation comes because Dyke Stills pushed that far up the pitch that there's just no one covering that right hand side, mm. um, and it was it was kind of really forced. And then luckily we we had uh, McNair there to clear. I mean, I'm I'm very surprised that Marriott managed to to get that on target with his weak foot from such a such a distance out as well. Like I mean. Fair play one for that, but um, I, th- I think there were just times in the first half where we were maybe getting a little bit carried away um, mm. and, and leaving these gaps, which you know another team might have exploited. Yeah, um, I think Joel only probably just needed a broomstick yesterday because he was trying to sweep up that much. <laughs> um, but it was, it did give me heart palpitations for the majority of that game, but we'll come on to that a, a little bit later on. But the bit of quality that we see in the first half, Dana. And I'm surprised you made it on the podcast this week because I thought you were going to come bust out of joy. Um, to the uh, Marcus Tavernier, it's a lovely, lovely goal, isn't it? And what a way to start adding to his tally. Yeah, I... Did he mean that? Because I... And honestly, when I saw the replay, I was like, he's just trying to help that back into a, a dangerous area because it comes from a... a um, does it come from a corner or a free kick? It comes in, the ball comes in, it gets headed McNair out to McNair. Yeah, it, I mean, to be fair, it's a great set from McNair. He just basically allows Tav to to whip that in, and it's a good goal. Let's not let's let me not like you know sugarcoat it or anything. It's a really good goal. But did he mean that? I know he said after the game that he's been practicing, but I think he's bluffing there. I don't think he meant that. But um, if he if he did, then fair play. It was it was one hell of a of a strike. The whip that he gets on it, it evades the keeper, it evades the the defense. It's a fantastic. It's just a fantastic goal, and yeah, really good from Tav. It, it, it's it's what he's needed, really, isn't it? He's got all of the, I guess the 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 core attributes of being a good player. He just needs to get the goals and assists because that's some that's for a lot of people what what makes a player what they judge a player off. And um, yeah, it's good that he's he's getting those goal contributions now. Yeah, uh, like you were saying there, like it, it's good for him. I like tally. I think a lot of like, if you look at like the top level metrics, I think what a lot of players are, uh, are pretty much um, held account to. Uh, he's he's definitely he struggles sometimes at the pound, but I think it's really really good now that he's he's fans are really starting to see the quality that it brings up this side and how much he means to this team. And I think the goal yesterday, 
I, that that whipping and that whip he gets from it is absolutely superb. And I don't I, now that you've said that, then I'm kind of like, mm, is it maybe a cross? But I think whatever it is, if it, if it was a cross, it's a superb cross. Um, if it's a <laughs> shot, it's a superb shot. So like, I don't think you can really like complain about any of it, can you? Um, mm. But I was just cross so happy. Cross shot category. Cross come shot, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but it's a. Uh, Let's move to the other couple of goals then, because obviously the, the Balogun one was a bit, it's a lovely ball in from Housen, a mistake from the defender, and Balogun uh, just slots it away. And I nearly combusted because I absolutely, uh, you know, uh, of my love for Balogun since he's came in. And then we talk about the subs. So, Tom, the Watmore and Coburn connection, um, it does sound like a duo, um, uh, being a, a duo act, but. They're both coming on, the scoring, what more assisting Corburn. They're developing quite the partnership, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Um looking at that first goal, um you, you can see that, you know, they've they've had enough of a, a partnership there that Watmore knows that Corburn's gonna be there. Because I think Watmore does an absolutely fantastic job running from that left hand side and getting in front of the defender as well, because he's he, he's in a position there where he he's Either going to force a mistake from the, the uh, defender and hopefully win a penalty, uh, or he's he's going to be allowed to kind of carry on that run and get a cross in. Uh, so I thought that that run to get into the box was fantastic to start with, and then just the um, obviously I, I don't want to go over the top on the finish because it, it it just kind of seemed very simple that he uh, uh, Corbin redirected it in off off what looked like his thigh or something, but. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, we've had enough strikers that, you know, would have blazed it over from there, looking at you, Ashley Fletcher. So, uh, (laughs) uh, you've got to credit Coburn for that, really. Um, uh, And then, um, yeah, the uh, the second one, obviously, Watmore's absolute super sub, um, just to get that goal and what a finish it was. Yeah, it was it was a lovely finish and a lovely way to to round off a really really good result uh, yesterday, and obviously putting Bora back in the playoff places too. And obviously the championship was just hectic yesterday, results going our way. Um, but we had a debate yesterday in our Telegram chat, um, or a question put to the to the group. And it was from Tom uh, Tom Muldowney who put it in, and he was saying, Are you about, sure it was Tom Muldowney this time? It was Tom Muldowney <laughs> this week. Um, I did get the two Tom M's mixed up, um, which is it's an it's an easy mistake, you know, when you're both called Tom M. It's a it's a it's a hard thing, you know. Um, <laughs> do better, you know. Just do better, Johnny. Do better. Um, but it was Chavo Spira, and it was the case of could he find himself as a fifth choice striker now uh, with the form of Watmore and Corburn? So, Dana, do you think Spira could unfortunately find himself out in the cold? He potentially. I mean, I'm wondering if it's a, a similar situation to when Stuart Downing had that clause in his contract or something like that that entitled him to a pay rise or that that whole story I wonder if that's the case with Spira and maybe Borough trying not to activate the um the permanent deal because I'm just not so sure that Wilder necessarily fancies him and it's a strange one with Spira because he's gone from being the main man to be in fifth choice in that game yesterday, you would have thought that Spry would have got on the pitch before probably Coburn, but 
he didn't. So it's an interesting one. I mean, I'm not sure his situation. Tommy obviously said something last week about personal reasons. I think um, Wilder said that he was also ill. I'm just, I'm not really sure. He played for Slovenia, didn't he, in, during the international break. It's a very weird one. But to be honest, I kind of feel like he's he's plummeted down the, the pecking order rather bizarrely. But his performances just haven't really been good enough the past couple of games that he's had to be honest his link up play hasn't been as good as we know it can be and he's just not apart from the the penalty at Barnsley um maybe there's another goal I'm forgetting about but he's from open play he's just not really offering what you probably would would want but then people could say that Connolly isn't either but I actually think Connolly's been improving and Balogun uh, has been improving as well individually so yeah it's a strange one with Sproul but I do think he's probably he's probably the, the fifth choice striker at the moment yeah, um, Tom, would you agree? Yeah, I, I think he's there on form, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, as Dan has just said there, he hasn't scored enough from open open play. I can't remember kind of too many goals he scored recently, but you look at what Moore and Coburn, they, they both have been scoring recently. Um, them being third and fourth choice, they're there on merit, I think, and, you know, Spraz probably got to wait for his chance now and, and take it when, when, he do, when it does come. But at, at the moment, I think in terms of our uh, pecking order from the strikers, everyone's where they are on on merit. You know, Connolly and Balogun have both been improving. I think from the Millwall game, it just seems to have clicked for them and they seem to be getting better every game. Uh, what more, we all know what he's capable of and he's probably being managed correctly. And, uh, you know, when, when he's coming off the bench, he, he is doing really well for us. And and Corbin having come come into the team, uh, you know, a little bit more over the last couple of months, he absolutely deserves to be in the in the conversation for you know being an our our kind of like top four strikers, and you know there were rightly um, you know discussions about starting him, um, uh, you know I think it was on our last pod. So yeah, I, I just I think Spra is where he is because of how he's been playing. I, I don't think it's necessarily down to anything else. Just he needs to wait for his chance and take it now because everyone else has had to. Yeah, uh, I'd agree with, with with both of your opinions there. To be honest, and I think with Spora, like you can you can see he has quality. There's there's no doubt about it. I think his off the ball movement is probably is probably the best we've got in terms of our forward play. But in but in terms of like getting chances away and his scoring ability, I think his last goal was at Barnsley, but it was penalty. And I think I'm trying to think of open play when he last scored. And I'm sure uh, it was Coventry. Coventry. I'm just I'm just checking it now. Yeah, it was it was Coventry, the 29th of December. Uh, yes. Not December, January. January. Wrong month. Yeah. Day before my birthday. Um, so yeah, that was a nice birthday present from Spira, wasn't it? Um, but it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's difficult. I think for Spira at the moment, you know, he's he's not. I, I agree with you, Dan. I don't think he's been as effective as he has been um, when we've seen at the start of the season. And at the moment, I think he pretty much deserves to be kind of where he's at. But football can change. He can definitely be that. He could be that second striker in a, in a week's time. And we say, oh, yeah, well, I remember when Sparrow was fifth choice for a week. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting. And I think we should probably be, I think, we, not be grateful, but also like, enjoy the fact that we've got options down up front and we've also got competition for places and then it's nice to see Corburn come on and score it's nice to see what more come off the bench and be really effective in games I think that's where he should stay uh, for now as well 
because um, he's just been more and more effective as, as the game management go, uh, the game goes on and his management is, is quite good for that. Um, I think with Josh Corbett as well, I know he scores goals and uh, everyone wants to see him more and more, but just manage him effectively in, in his minutes. You know, he's still such a young lad and we have this tradition as, as Borough fans and uh, of, of trying to of trying to ruin young uh, young academy players as soon as they, they come into the team. So just manage him effectively, let him score more goals and we'll break, we'll see him maybe next season or he might go out on loan and have more minutes. But um, let's move into the praise and place then because the praise and place is the place. We like to give praise to anyone um, in the club. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? That, it's, that is such a tongue twister to say. Um, Love but, that. Who gets your nomination this week? Um, it could be anyone. It could be the fans. It could be um, the management team. It could be a mascot. It could be absolutely anyone. Um, who are you going to go for? Dana, do you want to go first? You know what? I'm going to go for the fans. And I wanted to mention, and I probably should have mentioned this after the Chelsea game, but specifically Red Faction, because they were there yesterday at Peterborough um, with the drum. And I remember Red Faction being probably a cluster of no more than 10 people in Block 53 in the southeast stand, uh, southeast corner, sorry. Um and I remember they had to prove themselves that they weren't they weren't hooligans. They were genuine supporters. They got sent a letter by the club telling them to keep the noise down. I remember, um, which was just I mean bizarre. And over the years, I think they've definitely grown into something very, very special. I mean the 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 Chelsea game was unbelievable. The demand to go in the South Stand is is justified because they're making one hell of a racket. Not only at the Riverside, but now away from home. And it's brilliant to see them travelling. I remember being at Doncaster away in maybe 2014, the worst game I've ever seen, <laughs> in the nil-nil. Um, and I, I believe they were there. Yeah, it's um, it, it, it's brilliant. I think they've been brilliant. The Borough fans this season have been brilliant to see 3,700 of them. It was a sea of red. I love this this uh, time of year where the climate changes a little bit. I know we had, I think we had rain, we had sleet, we had sunshine at Peterborough yesterday. But it was when the sun was out, you could see those red shirts, and um, that is some sight. So yeah, we'll say the Borough fans and specifically Red Faction because the work that they do is 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 absolutely brilliant. Okay, going to go for the fans then, and uh, Tom, what are you going to go for? Well, I had a couple, but I will give a shout out to the fans first because I thought that was incredible yesterday. You've seen everything on Twitter from, say, Peterborough fans and, and, and even kind of like neutrals who have looked at it and just said how good the fans were yesterday. <clears throat> and absolutely got to agree with that. They were fantastic. They were the only ones you could age during the game. So fair play to them. Uh, my couple of players for it this week are I'll get the controversial one out of the way first because I know people probably won't like this, but Lumley. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Lovely, wow. Okay. Uh, as much as he gave everyone, you know, moments of panic yesterday, like coming out and being so the keeper, he wouldn't be doing that if it wasn't being encouraged to be part of his game. If if Wilder didn't like that, he wouldn't be doing that. He'd, he'd have either been dropped or, you know, uh, been told off for that a long time ago. But he, he's getting better at that and, and making those judgments as a part of his game. Fair enough, there were a couple of times yesterday, like the slide tackle, where it went straight to their player, uh, which which obviously needed to be improved. He's not a defender, so he wouldn't know to kind of like aim to put it out of touch or how, how to kind of angle his body there. But that obviously needs improvement, but he is getting better and he made some some very uh, 
good interceptions from Matt yesterday, and and also there was a a save he made during like a, a goal line scramble off off a corner, I think, uh, where I just assumed that was going in. I was looking at the back mm. of the net, uh, waiting to see the ball kind of pop in there, and and he he saved it with his legs, and and we we managed to get it away. So for for as much as everyone was kind of like talking about how he was panicking them on Twitter yesterday, he didn't actually do a lot wrong. If you think about it, he, you know, he, he's been encouraged to do this clearly, and and everything seemed to to kind of work out. So yeah, I, I'd go with him, but also Mark Bowler uh, for the the last couple of performances we've had from him, uh, where he's he's really been off the pace since coming back from injury. He's had this two-week international break, as, as have the rest of the team. But he's come back looking like a different player, and it's it's just added balance to to the team yesterday. So I'd love to see that in the in the final eight games, uh, just him replicating that performance. Can I just add someone to the praising place real quick? Yes. I want to put Lee Peltier in there because I don't know whether anybody saw the way that he <laughs> walked onto the pitch after he got subbed on. We need to clip that up and put that on Twitter or something because I thought it was brilliant. It was like. I don't know how to describe it, really. It was like his leg, his, his arms turned to, I'm going to keep up the, the tradition of calling things cheese string. But it, it was like his arms were cheese string, the way that he just he just walked on. like It was just weird and, and funny. And I think um, if anybody clocked that, I think Lee Peltier deserves praise for that. I was wondering what he was doing. Like, I thought he was trying to be like yeah. uh, Con- Conor McGregor or something. Yeah, it was like a very sort of. It was like a ragdoll version of uh, Conor McGregor, wasn't it? It was. It was bizarre, yeah. but it was. It was brilliant. Maybe it becomes a dance move. You know, like we had the Warney. We can do the, the, the Peltier. Yeah, the Warney wobble. We can have the Peltier. No, um, the Peltier way. I don't know. I could see you doing that, like in an empire or somewhere. Yeah. You know? Oh, not an empire. Yeah, like no. You know, get I'm me creep. an empire again. I'm surprised that I made it out of Empire. I got lost. I want to get lost in Empire. I mean, that's, that's, for another, that's for another time. Um, we, we can travel <laughs> after this. Um, Too many vodkas. You know, damn, disgusting behaviour. Disgusting behaviour. Um, but we, we do have uh, a couple of questions. But before we do that, I was going to. My praise in place is going to go to probably Johnny Housen, I think. Um, man of the match yesterday. Thoroughly deserved. Clock back now was good as well. But the team, I think there's an overall good team performance, and I think collectively as a club, I thought it was just well rounded. Um, yesterday everything was good when we needed it to be. Um, so I'm going to go for that. Um, but let's move on to the questions. Then it's because when it's when you send us questions in uh, via Twitter or via email at theboroughbreakdownhotmail.com, or you can send it um in our Telegram chat as well. And we've got that in the link in the description as well. And um, the Telegram chat's got 150 people in there, all Borough fans chatting about everything Borough um, and football manager and also a random topics. All Borough so. fans and then Luke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Borough fans and then we've got Luke, um, the analyst, um, which is all <laughs> Luke, the analyst. Um, but yeah, let's move on the questions then because uh, the first one, it's from Sean. He says, Bowler or Taylor, Dana, who are you going to go for? I think you have to go for baller purely because of what we've discussed, the yeah. balance that it allows between attacking down the right and attacking down the left. So, I mean, Taylor's a good player in his own right. He's solid, um, but he probably doesn't give what baller can give. Um, so, yeah, mm. baller for me. Okay. Baller, um, easy easy answer, that easy. Um, next question is from Kian, and he says, has Wilder's decision to start a consistent front two 
in Balogun and Connolly helped our overall play in games. I feel like we've played way better recently, as everyone knows their roles within the team. Dan, I'm going to stick with you. What do you think? Um, what was the question again? Sorry, I was prepared for that to cut to Tom. Yeah, <laughs> fooled you all. Um, yeah, so as well as this decision to start a consistent front two in Balogun and Connolly helped our overall play in games. Yeah, potentially. I mean, a lot of the time with certain dynamics, certain players as well, all they need is time. And mm. a lot of people say they need dropping, rotating. I've probably, in fact, I, I definitely have been guilty of of subscribing to that belief uh, with Conley and Balogun. I mean, I, it was only one podcast ago that I said I'm not, I'm seeing no reason to not play Coburn and, and Watmore. Um, but yeah, I think we have seen, and Thomas has said it as well, since the Millwall game, I think they have been getting better. Balogun coming off the back of a, what was it, two, three goals I think he scored um, for England under 21s in two games. Obviously with the goal there, it adds to that um, hitting form at a good time. Connolly, it's a bit of a shame because obviously he's not really getting in, in the goals as much, but he's offering something I think he's I think he's he's a bit of a conundrum because I think Tom Muldowney in the telegram chat said it very well about Connolly that he'll do something good and then something very bad soon after and it's he's a bit of a conundrum but I do think that he'll start to to get the goal soon sometimes players just need time and that's it and I think we're seeing that Wilder obviously sees fit to keep playing these two. They're his signings and it, it is working. I, I quite like the dynamic of the strikers, both uh, Conley and Balligan and Watmore and Coburn at the moment. I think they're being managed quite well. Okay, then uh, the next question is from Alex. And the reason why I stuck uh, uh, with you there, Dana, is because I want to ask Tom this question. Because um, since you just put him in the present place, Tom... Um, how much longer? It's from Alex. And he said, "How much do we? How much longer do we persist with Lumley? The Lumley blooper reel got some serious footage yesterday. And to be fair, there was a lot of moments yesterday where I thought I was going to actually have a heart attack um, with, with Joel Lumley's performance yesterday. But fans, we do get this question quite frequently. But people are wanted to are wondering why we should persist with Lumley. Uh, so how long should we wait for? I'm not sure. I agree with the blooper reel thing, though. Like. Yes, he he was giving everyone reason to panic yesterday, but also he was clearing it most of the time, or you know, doing what he actually came out to do. Um, there, there was one point where I think he was actually quite clever in what he did, where it, it was it was a difficult ball to deal with, uh, just over Dykesdale, I think it was. I can't remember who he was who he was battling with, but Lumley had followed out to the edge of the box, got his knee on it, turned round and jumped and got the ball in like a. It, it oh, looked yeah. like some like looked like something out of FIFA, like something one of your keepers are doing FIFA or something. A glitch. Um, yeah, like he's he's probably been quite uh, clever there, getting the getting the touch on it with his knee and then turning around to, to make the catch. But in in terms of you know how how long, much longer do we uh, have Lumley as number one for? I've, I think it's the rest of the season. Like I've said before, I don't think there's anyone else who's who's better than him at the moment. I know other people might disagree, but I I wouldn't feel as comfortable with Daniels and goals as I do with Lumley. And mm. you no, know, I mean that that's not me saying I'm feeling hundred percent comfortable with Lumley because yes, he he's scaring me as well when he comes out for these things. But it's clearly it's clearly something that Wilder wants his keepers to do. Yeah, uh, it's not something that Lumley has done previously, 
and he, he's having to learn this new part of his game, which he is doing. Um, and then there's always like the course, like, why did we recall Sol Brin? Can we not put him in goal? He's, a, he's untested at this level, and it would be a serious gamble for the next eight games to to, to put Sol Brin in goal. I would be surprised if we didn't get a keeper this summer, um, and I do expect the new keeper to be, to be competing with Lumley for the number one shirt next season. Uh, I, I do think Lumley will still be here, um, but I, I think everyone just needs to just calm down a little bit with Lumley, uh, really. Because, as I say, he's he's learning a new part of his game here. It's not him coming out to the halfway line to try and clear things. is clearly not not a lumly thing. That is is a tactical thing. Hmm. It's just so unorthodox in in what he does. I mean, what you said there, the the FIFA goalkeeper glitch moment. It's moments like that. You just he's so unorthodox in those moments that he needs to be confident and assured and composed that I don't think it really allows much trust in him. And there was that one clangor really where he palmed it straight back into Ricky J. Jones, FIFA career mode gem <laughs> to keep up the, uh, the, the FIFA there. But it, yeah, it's, he's just very, he's just unorthodox. And I think that's why a lot of fans don't really have the trust in him. I, will but I do agree. I will walk back what I said a little bit about the blooper, by the way, because that what you've just said there, I couldn't understand that either. That is the probably the one thing where I will say, right, he was in the wrong for that yesterday, because mm. I think it probably would have been better to let that go for a corner from just from what he actually actually ended up doing. But I, I, I yeah. just don't know what was going through his head for that part. Uh, but as I say, for, for most of it, he was doing his job. It's just a bit of panic in that moment, isn't it? And I think we've seen that from Lumley before. So I think in terms of, yeah, he's obviously learning a new role. I'm hoping that the composure will follow suit very soon because, yeah, you do see those those heart and mouth moments, don't you? They're all too familiar with Lumley, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, luckily, the, the ball was out when he decided to do that. But it's... Uh, yeah. I, I, I agree with you, but I think that's like kind of the one massive mistake that he made. And obviously, the, there's there's always going to be... I think with the goalkeeper position, it's always such a, a highlighted position. There's a lot of eyes on it. Um, and everyone could save a certain shot. Um, doesn't matter who you are. You could have an eight-year-old block saying, oh, yeah, I would save that back, uh, back in the day. So um, you, you just don't know, do you? Um, but I think, yeah, with Lumley... You stick with him at the end of the season. We'll probably bring someone else in, but yeah, also let him have let him compete for the number one shirt next season. Like you said, Tommy, still learn the new part of the game. Sweep the keeper itself is is well, well was developed by like more like Neuer, but like a lot of teams are starting to try and play that system now, and it's a new part of the game. They're going to have to have certain strengths, and you'll probably see this develop a lot more in probably the next few years, but. Um, yeah, I think you've got to stick with me in the season, then d- do what you need to do. Um, I will, will add in as well, he's still relatively young in goalkeeping terms. Like, in terms of coming into his prime, he's nowhere near that yet. Uh, you know, he, he's still got this ability to to learn a new role, and and he, he is still learning kind of like a lot of other parts of the game as, as well. Um, you know, people would think because he's been brought in as our number one keeper, he's the finished article. I don't think he's close to that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not like we brought in like, you know, 35 year old Shea Given or, you know, <laughs> it, 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 even Dimi who hadn't played at our level before we signed him, but he had, you know, the age and experience to, uh, you know, the mental side of the game was, was absolutely there for him. Uh, Lumley, I don't think is, 
is close to being the finished article yet. Yeah. Um yeah, I think he just I think he just needs probably a couple more years of development in that system. But yeah, like you're saying that Tommy it hasn't hit the, the the prime of his career, but it's 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 football. Everyone everyone's gonna everyone thinks that they they can do better or someone could come back and do a better job or whatever. So it just it's it's one of those things, isn't it? But let's look ahead then to, to Fulham because there's not a team in the championship that's doing better than them this season. Um, and Borough welcome to the Riverside on Wednesday night. And guys, how are we feeling about this game? Uh, because it's going to be a, it could be a really, really tough test for us. What do you think, Dana? Yeah, it will be. I mean, talk about a contrast. You've got Peterborough, the bottom side in the division, and then Fulham, the, the top side in the division. It's... Um, yeah, they're cruising to the Premier League with a cigar in their mouths, really. The way that they're playing, the goals, the, the amount of goals that they're scoring, it's unbelievable. And this is going to be a big test for Borough. Obviously, in front of a, our home crowd, we still got that um, winning league record. I know it was uh, Chelsea obviously beat us, so in all competitions we've lost that. But, you know, we've still got a, a fantastic home record in the Championship. And um, I think it's going to be a tough test for Fulham. Definitely. I mean, everyone's probably going to say it's a tough test for us, but it's going to be a tough test for Fulham as well. And I'm looking forward to the game. I think it'll be really competitive. Mm. Uh, Tom, how are you feeling about it as well? Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think playing at home in this league, there's not really another team that I I, I favour us playing. Mm. Uh, I think this is going to be a good test for us. And, you know, kind of based on on what what we've done recently with some of the teams we have beat at home, uh, you know, making... Spurs look ordinary in the FA Cup and and stuff like that. I, I think we we've got a good chance, but I, I can just I can just say this being one of those games that we've had recently where it is it, it is kind of very close. Something like Swansea, Bournemouth, Coventry, Luton. I think it's going to be a very tough game, but I do think we, that we can win it. Yeah, why not? You know, why not? This the, the championship um, is is very unpredictable. Huddersfield went to to Craven Cottage and beat them. They are a beatable sides, you know. Um, but West, West Brom beat them. Like, West Brom. I mean, if West Brom can beat them under Steve Bruce, anyone can beat them. Um, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but Dana, uh, how does Marco Silva set this Fulham side up, and how have they been so sex- uh, successful this season? I, I thought you were going to say sexy there. then. <laughs> successful. Hey, um, yeah. Well, they set up in a in a four two three one. They're a very attacking team, and I know that's a very general statement. But if you look at shots on target per game, they're top for that in the division. They're top for big chances created. They're second for average possession. Obviously, Swansea are, are top in that. They're top for goals per match. Um, they're the best for, for goals conceded. Uh, they've been awarded the most penalties this season, funnily enough, tied with us. So I wonder I wonder if anyone will get a penalty um, on mm. Wednesday night. And I mean, if it is, I hope it's us. But to be honest, I can kind of see it being Fulham. But yeah, they're, they're an unbelievable side. They've scored 92 goals this season, which is absolutely crazy. And I mean, the, the game against them... Uh, the first game of the season at Craven Cottage, it was obviously, I don't think we could take too much out of Borough's performance because we had Matt Crooks playing as a almost a second striker in that match. Um, but I think Fabio Carvalho is probably the one, uh, obviously alongside all the others, Mitrovic being probably the main man, but Fabio Carvalho in particular caused so many problems um, at Craven Cottage and Housen in particular was struggling up against him. I'm not expecting Housen to struggle as much as he did um, that 
afternoon. Um, although it was kind of low-key the way that he struggled against the Fabio Carvalho. It wasn't picked out so much after that mm. match, but he was. it's the movement of the ball. I remember they were playing one-twos in behind us, really. Whenever they had the ball, I think it was Onoma in midfield, um, the, the number eight was, was obviously had the ball in his possession, basically attracting a player towards him and then as soon as that press was was triggered they would just set off um mm. so it was a really difficult obviously we, we managed to to get a point which is a really impressive point even even still so yeah it's i mean it's obviously going to be a, a really difficult affair uh the movement off the ball the wing sorry the the fullbacks get really high up the pitch I think Borough are going to be uh, going to have to be on it individually and collectively all throughout the match because as soon as we maybe show a little bit of vulnerability or switch off, they will punish us. Mm. And just moving on to that as well, Tom. A lot of positive um, statistics from from Dana there on like the goal scored of like ninety two goals this season. Um, what's their form looking like? Because they have had a couple of defeats recently. Yeah, so it was actually before the international break. They seem to be. I don't want to say dropping off or anything because they clearly weren't, but they had a couple of questionable results and it did seem like they were maybe having the same problem as us and run out of steam a bit. So in the last five games, they beat Blackburn 2-0 at home, battered Swansea 5-0 away, then went away to Barnsley and drew 1-1 and lost 1-0 away to West Brom. Had the international break, came back yesterday and beat QPR 2-0 away. So it does seem like... The international breaks probably done them the world of good, uh, you know, as as well as us, because um, because they did look like they were running out of steam just a little bit before, and mm. and obviously championship news as well. It was there was reports last night that Mark Warburton could potentially be sacked as QPR manager as well after a bad run of form, but. Um, we'll stick with, with Fulham because Mitrovic, Tom, um, Dana said they've scored 92 goals a season. 37 of them have came from Mitrovic, uh, 40% of their goals uh, this season, um, which is which is a fantastic achievement. And he's uh, he's nowhere near George Campbell, but he's still very, very good um, <laughs> so far. But how would Abora mitigate uh, the risk of Mitrovic on Wednesday night? Dill Fry. I think that's this. I think, um, you know, he, he's shown uh, this season when, you know, he, he's had to go up against, uh, you know, strong attackers. With probably the exception of Lukaku, uh, he's he's done a great job against most of them. And I think aerially, if he's going up against Mitrovic, he can, you know, go to hope with him and win. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Mitrovic in the past, he's, he's shown have a bit of a temper. So maybe if... Uh, Maybe he might get a little bit wound up if he's continually losing out to Fry and maybe get him sent off as well. But um, <laughs> I, I think uh, I think Fry's going to be the the key to it. But I'm also interested to kind of see how how we do as a as a back three, uh, at just at, at stopping the chances to him because um, I think aerially it shouldn't be a problem if they're trying to play on the ground and through us. Um, you know they've got quality in those three positions behind Mitrovic as well. So. As Dana said, everyone has to be on point, uh, you know, collectively and individually to cut that out as well. I will say uh, maybe a point of vulnerability, what we saw against Peterborough in the first half anyway, they were putting balls down the middle over the top and it seemed to cause us a few problems. So that may be when you get it in a position where Lumley has to come out and play that sweeper-keeper role. There's sometimes a little bit of miscommunication there. We've seen that. Um, so... 
there's potentially something that we we really need to stitch up uh, if we are to get something from this game against Fulham. So how do you think we'll do then in terms of your predictions, Dana? Do you think we'll uh, maybe get something? Ooh, you know what? I think we will, but I don't think we'll win. I think we'll get a draw from the game. I'm going to go with one all, and I'll take that to be fair. Yeah, okay, one all. It is Borough's average scoreline in the championship uh, since we've been there uh, from 2009. So there you go. That's a lovely little stat for you there. Um, Tom, what are you going to go for? One uh, nil. As I said earlier, I think it's going to be one of those games like Swansea, Luton, Bournemouth, Coventry, where where it is very close. Um, I don't think like as in a couple of those games we'll go on to get a second. I think it's going to be a very very close match, and I think we'll we'll just edge it. Okay, then I'm going to go with one all as well, Dana. Um, <clears throat> I think it's going to be a, a difficult difficult uh, evening, but I think we can still get some of the problem of the game. Um, as well, and, and, I'm just, and I'm also working off the law of averages there, based on uh, for the <laughs> average goals for and goal against. Um, but let's look further ahead then now to Saturday, uh, where we play our second home home game in as many days against Shota Alad uh, Shota Alverladzi's whole city. God, that's such did a well there. I did well, there, didn't I? Yeah, it took me two goals, <laughs> but I got there. Um, so to get a whole perspective, uh, we speak to Ant from the Holland Back podcast to give us some insight. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great 
great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi guys, uh, I'm from the Tulling Back podcast here. Uh, thanks for having me on. A quick summary of our season, eventful, I would probably say. Obviously, went up as League One champions last season. Grant McCann in charge, the Alams as the owners. Um, not really a forward-thinking mentality at the club, you know. We were kind of just treading water. If anything, we were going. The Alams were selling our assets. Uh, relationships with the fans had broken down. Uh, the club just felt toxic. There were divisions amongst the fan base. The players were maybe feeling that tension a little bit at home games. You know, we've had a few years of just sort of uh, receding from the uh, from the old Premier League days, uh, sort of re- trying to recover, selling assets, replacing them with freebies, loanies. So when this season started and we, we found out we had a, a transfer embargo for a loan from the EFL, you know, we knew it was going to be a long, hard season and staying up was always going to be the aim. Obviously, we, we're doing that right now. So, you know, any City fan would have snapped your hand off at the beginning of the season for that. 20, I know point deductions have had a, had a big say in that. Probably done us a bit of a favour. Since Shot has taken over, though, you know, optimism's reached the club again. New ownership, new manager, new direction. I know we haven't kind of seen the attacking football we've been promised on Shotter yet, but, you know, he's kind of got his hands tied in the fact that we're still essentially the same side as what Grant McCann had uh, previously. He didn't have long in the transfer market to make any changes, but mentality at the club's changed, definitely. It feels a lot better. You know, even though we're losing games, it's not as toxic anymore. Uh, we're just kind of looking forward to next season. We, we kind of take the, the end of the season now, to be fair. We're just limping over the line, but... Um, we started quite poorly under McCann. Had a really, really well. We had a really good start on the opening day, but then it just kind of like you know went back to Grant McCann's old ways in the Championship, and we were losing every week. Couldn't score goals. And then he finally switched to the formation that we all wanted to, with the three at the back. I think it was the win against Middlesbrough it was the first time we tried it. That this season we won two nil. You know the fans have been crying out for this system since the beginning. It suits our players more. We look more uh, threatening on the attack. We look more solid at, at the back. And then Shotter came in. I mean, it, it, the, the Grant McCann sacking, to be fair, looked a bit harsh at the time because obviously results had turned around. But it's it's worth noting that the new owner said that the decision to sack McCann had been made months ago. It was nothing to do with his current reign of form. He just didn't think McCann was the guy to take him forward, which probably was true. His record at Championship was poor. But Shotter's come in and kind of tried to adapt his own formation, but noticed that it doesn't work with the set of players we've got. So we've gone back to the three at the back and we look a lot more solid. Our Achilles heel is we don't really score uh, our chances and we really need to. But other than that, we, we've only got two or three players really that can win us the game. King Lewis Poor, obviously, they're phenomenal this season. England are 21 international now. George Honeyman runs the game for us. Uh, Richie Smallwood's crucial to you know, protecting the back four. So if you nullify those threats, we, we, we tend to just you know not really be in the game. So... Exploiting the space behind our wing backs is probably the best way for Middlesbrough to win. You know, we've got uh, Brandon Fleming and Lorraine Longman like to go forwards. We leave a lot of space in behind. Uh, we've got very young, experienced back three, so maybe exploit that naivety at the back. Maybe, you know, a few mistakes this season have cost us games. I would probably have to put my money on a 1 1 draw because we are quite decent away. It's certainly a lot better away than we are at home this season. I think we're a few games unbeaten away now, so yeah, I would like to see us take at least a point. Okay, then. So. Not as optimistic as I thought Ant was going to be. I thought they may have potentially got a win, um, or he's predicting a win at the Riverside um, on Saturday. But how are we feeling about the game, guys? What are your predictions for it? Do you think Borough get all three points? Uh, Tom, do you want to go first in this one? 
Yeah, I, I think we can. Uh, I'm I'm really eager for us to uh, avenge that loss earlier in the season because uh, obviously I, I didn't manage to uh, to watch that game. I was away that weekend, but I remember just checking the checking the updates on my phone, thinking, right, this is only going to go one way. We'll get a goal eventually, and then checked it again twenty minutes later when we were two 0 down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> awful, but. Um, and then watching the highlights after after that was worse. But I think we're in a better place now than we were earlier this season, um, especially at home. And uh, I, I see us winning that 2 0. Okay, so convincing win for, for Tom. And then, Dana, what are you thinking? Yeah, this is an interesting one, this, because Borough are one of a few teams in the EFL and in the Premier League, um, well, the whole sort of football league, I suppose, that haven't had the double done on us. And it's the whole game and the Preston game that could potentially change that. So, um, yeah, this one's going to be interesting, I think. I'm going to go with 2-0. I'm going to be confident. Um, yeah, 2-0. Okay. Uh, so let's do three twos then uh, because I'm going to predict 2-0 as well. Um, I think we'll, if, if we do get four points from these next two games... I think it's a really, really good start to the running. Um, I think we can really build on it in the last few games as well. But guys, that's it. Thank you very much for coming on as always. And thank you very much for the listeners uh, for listening as well. If you want to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we're on over 400 reviews now. and We really do appreciate it. We're also fundraising for the Morton Your Own Disease Association as well. And that link's in the bio as well. So anything that you donate really does help. Uh, us raise money for that. a wonderful charity and helps with uh, progress of finding a cure um, but that's it uh, the games are coming thick and fast fasten your seatbelt folks uh, the wilder train is full steam ahead this is the Borough Breakdown podcast and that was like a Borough Match Day chatter in a pod up the Borough Breakdown <laughs>